Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's the Jeff Cavins Show. Hey, I want to welcome you to the show today. I am coming to you this week, not from the deep woods of Minnesota with the loons in the background and three feet of snow, but 82 degrees. I am in Cajun country. That's right. I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana with my good friend, Father Josh Johnson, who is the the pastor of uh, Holy Rosary and Cinema. Sanamo. Sanamo. You got it right. Okay, I got it right. I got it. That's, that's my accent. You can hear him already. He uh, He's going to be a part of the show today. We're going to get to know him. I, I have certain people in my life that uh, I enjoy talking to, and I think that they have something that you need to hear, and I want to introduce him to you. He is uh, a priest in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We've known each other for a little bit. In fact, last year, he brought me to the center of LSU to see Mike the Tiger, and we had an absolutely great time. And he's come out with a new book, and, uh, and I think the book is timely, and it's for you, and it's for your your uh, your teens, it's for your friends, it's for everybody, and it's broken and blessed. And if you've known anybody who is broken, uh, they need to hear this. I want to welcome you to the show. What's up, Jeff? It's good. It's good to be with you, and it's good to be here in the South. I cannot believe that I left 28 below in Minneapolis, and I came down here and it was 82 degrees. Okay, I got a question to ask. Yeah. So you've been doing this mission in my church for the past few days. I have. And I think on Monday, we had the church kind of cold for us. Were you <laughs> cool? Because my people were complaining, saying they were freezing. But I was thinking about you, and for you, it must have been... It was like a hot summer day. I figured that. I yeah. figured as much. Yeah. yeah, in fact, I don't think I, I taught as well as I would have normally. I wanted to talk to you about that. but Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're able to talk about that now. <laughs> no, it's been good. You know, the last couple of days we've been together on a mission in your parish, and we've been talking about becoming an activated disciple, and uh, perhaps sometime here in the future I can get on your show and talk about that a little bit. That'd be awesome. But I want to talk about your your uh, new book. You've been doing some some great things. You've been speaking around the country and and uh, writing. And uh, tell us a little bit about the book, you know, as far as the beginning of the show and why, why this topic? Why now? Yeah, so the book is called Broken and Blessed, An Invitation to My Generation. And essentially, I wrote the book because I recognized that um, all of us, every single one of us, we all have mess in our lives. We all have sin, we have imperfection, we have mistakes that we've made. And I've also recognized in my own walk toward eternity mm -hmm. that that's where God has encountered me the most and transformed my life and helped me to abide in a deep intimacy with Him. And if God can love all of us in the midst of our brokenness and choose to dwell with us there and transform us into saints in that place of brokenness and mess and sin and shame and pain and hurts and wounds, um, then who are we to not share that gift with the other members of the body of Christ, the church? And I think you and I both know that we we dwell in a communion of sinners who certainly mm -hmm. long to be saints, but all of us are sinners. And so if God can love us in our mess, then I want to give people tools to love each other in all of our stuff. Sure. Well, you know, the, there's two things I, I would love to talk to you about with your book. One is uh, how do we handle personally ourselves when we know that we're broken? I want to get into that a little bit because so often when we realize, you know, man, I am broken, we want to just give up. It's like, yeah. I gave it a shot. I'm broken. I'm never going to be the same again. How could God accept me? Uh, and especially at home, you know, for people who are married and they, they, they blow it. 
And uh, then they suddenly are brought back to a place where you've got to be close and you've got to be intimate with your family, but they know who you really are. You know, that's one thing I want to talk about. The second thing is uh, our attitude towards other people who have been broken. Because one of the things that I have noticed over the years, and it's sad, is that um, we, we kill our wounded. We, we write them off. There's no Certainly. second chance. There's no second chance, particularly in the, in the public arena. And I think that there's a lot of people now who are, especially with social media, with what people are doing on news networks now, people are frightened that their life is going to be exposed. They're going to be done with. And I think our country is living in a, a great amount of fear uh, being broken publicly i agree with you 100 percent. you know and so i think those are two things that uh, that i'd like to talk about first of all this idea of um being broken you know a, a while ago i did a show on my subaru i had my i call my subaru my um my uh my white leopard you know in the snow snow leopard and it gets through anything and when i brought it home it was perfect it was white and it was beautiful not a spot not a nick on it i got into it Wow, it felt good, that nice smell and everything. And about a couple of weeks later, I was at the store, and somebody I realized when I came out, someone dented the side of my car with their car, and they were gone. There was nothing I could do about it. And then I backed into somebody, and the back had a dent, and, and, and suddenly my perfect car was broken, it was marred, and... I didn't feel the same way, you know, about it. It was, there was something, I wanted it to be pristine and, mm. and uh, beautiful the, the whole time. But the fact of the matter is, any car that's two or three years old looks like it's two or three years old. And I started thinking about that with my own life. Um, I wish I could go back to the beginning and just be like, wow, there's no problems. I've never done anything wrong. And I want, I'll continue, Lord. But it doesn't, isn't that way. We all experience that brokenness, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, every single one of us, we're all broken. We all have a past. But the goal is to never let our past mistakes dictate our future walk to eternity, our future to become saints. And so many of us, we get caught up in navel-gazing, mm-hmm. and we just focus on the imperfections. We focus on our wrinkles and the wrinkles of other people. But that's not helpful. If we can take our eyes off of ourselves, off of our car, off of our stuff, and focus our eyes onto God and get caught up in the gaze of God, then we can open ourselves up to hear his voice. Whenever I was a kid, my mom used to always say to me, boy, you better look <laughs> at me when I'm talking to you. And Jeff, why did she say that? Why do I have to look at her when she's talking? Right. That's a real question. Yeah. Because if I'm not looking You're not at listening. her, I'm not listening. And so the same rule applies with, with us and with God. If we're not looking at God, mm-hmm. then whose voice are we going to listen to? Right. And that's just not going to be helpful. And so I say that rule would apply for you and your car, man. Take your eyes off your broken car and look at God. Right. And let God speak to you. Right. When we talk about brokenness, uh, what are some areas that you've noticed? And obviously you, you, you can't tell anybody anything about confession, but in just in general observation, looking at people today, what are the areas that people feel broken in? Yeah, so a lot of people feel rejected. Mm-hmm. A lot of people live with wounds of, of rejection, with wounds of abandonment, with wounds of betrayal. Um, and a lot of people, because of the ways in which they were rejected or, or abandoned or betrayed, um, they've, they've then done things themselves to protect themselves out of that. Um, and so then once we end up doing things because of what's happened to us in our past or whatever, um, we, we often then get ourselves into a little rut. 
you know, and, and we think we're, oh, well, I'm already gone, so I might as well give up now. I've done, I've done enough. Yeah. Um, I, what I see a lot of times happening is sometimes somebody might commit a sin and they fall. And after they fall um, into a particular uh, vice, then they'll say, well, I'm already in, I'm already in sin. Yeah. I, I might as well just keep at it right now and, and not come back to God because I'm not wanted anymore. Because we then project onto God that which happened to us with people. Whenever someone in my family saw my limitations or they saw my weakness or whatever it might be, they, they, they saw me and they rejected me. Well, now that, now that I've done X, Y, or Z, God's going to do that which this person has done. God's not going to want me anymore as well. And we, we begin to just um, isolate ourselves from God. And in my limited experience as a priest, the people who isolate themselves from God are the most miserable people in the world. Right. And it's a tactic of the enemy. You know, if he can get you to to be isolated, he can he can come down he can come down on you. You know, when it when it comes to um, being broken, to being being busted, I know a lot of people will go to confession, and then uh, they go back out in the world and they get broken again, and then they go to confession. And then they go out in the world and get broken again. And then they go to confession. They're saying, you know, hey, Father, it's me, ditto. I'm here again. And and talk to me a little bit about that. You know, about uh, some people will give up on that sacrament of reconciliation. Let me tell you. So one of my favorite saints is a guy named St. Mark Yi Tai Ching. He was from China. And I think it was the 1800s. Maybe it was the early 1900s. And he was a doctor and a husband and a father. A good guy. And... One day he prescribed himself opium because that's what the main drug was at that time to get to find healing after you were injured. And he ended up becoming addicted mm-hmm. to opium. And uh, he uh, lost his practice as a doctor. He lost his family because he could not provide for them anymore. The people in his society rejected him because he began to abuse this drug every single day. But every single day, this man went to daily mass. And every single day he went to confession. And every single day he prayed the rosary. Now, the priest of his time was um, not very educated in addiction. And so the priest of his time said, you know what, you clearly aren't sorry for this sin, so you, you can't come to confession anymore until you become really sorry because um, you keep using the same drug every single day. But So he said, because of that, you can't receive the Eucharist anymore either. So this guy, Marky Tai Ching, continued to go to daily mass and continued to pray the rosary and continued to fall into his particular vice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it, was his, it was his dominant fault. And he's a saint today, and guess what? He never overcame his addiction. And he's a canonized saint. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? That's interesting. Yeah, but he I, I never. But the reason why he's a canonized saint is for two reasons. One, because he persevered in the struggle. He never gave up. That's what uh, the guy who founded Opus Dei, what's his name? Uh, the saint. Is it a saint that founded Opus Dei? Yeah. Uh, whatever his name is, that dude. Uh, he said a, a saint is a sinner who struggles. And that's what Marky Tai Ching was. He struggled every day with this, with this vice, but he kept coming back to the mercy of God. He kept coming back to the throne of God, but he also died a martyr because in this time, the Christians were being persecuted and the, the people asked him, do you reject Jesus? He said, no. So he was beheaded. But it's a beautiful story of someone who never gave up because some of the greatest saints in the history of the church um, had vices that they were able to overcome. Like Teresa of Avila, she, her, her dominant vice was pride and vanity, specifically vanity. And she struggled with that vice for 20 years as a religious sister, 20 years. It was a struggle. And she mm-hmm. finally over- overcame that with the grace of God. Uh, Francis de Sales, he struggled with the vice of wrath for decades, and Augustine struggled with lust uh, for many years. And those saints were, by the grace of God, through frequent uh, disposition to the sacrament of reconciliation, um, but 
also through prayer and fasting and, and avoiding the occasional sin. But there are other saints like Mark Tai Ching and also a, a more recent saint who, who is incorruptible, St. John 23rd. He never overcame his vice of sloth. From the time he was a seminarian, he was a seminarian when he was a little kid because back in the day they went, when they were super young, from the time he was a little kid till he became pope, one of his dominant vices was he could not commit to a prayer life, to a consistent rule of life. Every <laughs> single year he would say, God, this it's is so the year. It's so odd to hear that's a saint, you know. <laughs> and he said, this year's going to be the year, God, I'm going to commit to a holy hour or I'm going to commit to a deeper devotion to the sacred heart. And every year if you look at his journal from the time he was a seminarian until he became uh, the pope, he would always say, oh, I messed up again. I did it again, I, but this year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to do it, God. Mm-hmm. And so he just could not overcome this, this weakness of his to be consistent in his relationship with Christ. Um, but he's a canonized saint whose body is incorruptible. So the goal is to just keep struggling, to keep coming back to confession. If you have to come to confession once a month, once a week, if you have to, however, however you need to come to Jesus in the sacrament of life of the church, come mm-hmm. as you are, and he will give you grace. I got it. Jose Maria Escriva. Yes, that's him. Yes. <laughs> 10 points. I go to the bonus round. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> it just came to me all of a sudden. I don't know why. Maybe he came to you because he's with us, body of Christ. There you go. The of the there church. you go right there. From your book, what, what? give me the kind of the the heart or two or three things that you would say to someone listening right now that say, Father, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with addiction. I'm, I'm struggling with uh, a sexual sin. Yes. I'm, I'm struggling with a, something that's inside like pride or envy, and nobody else knows it, but I know it. I think other people might sense it. Uh, we only have a few minutes. Father, what, how, what direction would you point me in? Okay, so one of my experiences in my walk toward eternity was this. I find myself going to confession every week, committing the same sin over and over again. It was like St. Paul in Romans. Mm-hmm. He says, I do what I don't want to do, and what I don't want to do, I do. Who and will, a lot who will of, deliver me from this body of right, death? Right, right. Like, Lord, there's this, this thorn on my side. Why can't I overcome this particular imperfection? And what I came to realize in my walk, which I think is for many of us the same thing, is this. Whenever we pray the act of contrition, we recite that beautiful prayer, uh, we say, oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended you. I detest all my sins because of your just punishments, most of all because I've offended you, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to do my penance, avoid the near occasion of sin, and sin no more. Amen. I say that prayer. I feel sorry for my sins, do my penance, get absolution, go back to my regular life, and then I'm back in confession with the same sin. Here's why. Because... For years, I did not take serious the words I was reciting, mm-hmm. and specifically this line, I will avoid the near occasion of sin. Amen. The actual Latin says, fugere or fugere, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm failed Latin class. Um, <laughs> thanks, Jeff. Um, so Latin, the Latin word actually means I will flee from the near occasion of sin, not mm-hmm. just avoid, I'm going to run away from it. I'm I'm not even going to be in the presence of it, right? Because I'm that weak. I think one of the things that we have to come to as disciples of Jesus Christ is recognize our limitations and recognize it's not a bad thing to say, I am just too weak. I'm too weak. And so I'm going to have to avoid the near occasion of sin. And so for a lot of people, specifically with lust, um, a lot of people will struggle with lust on their iPhones. And so they look at pornography, give it to masturbation under that context. So I'll, I'll say, okay, you're praying your rosary. Yeah. You're going to confession. Yeah. You're doing your fasting, taking cold showers, yeah, and you're still struggling with this vice. Do you have an accountability partner? Yep, all that. Um, I'm, I'm on uh, covenant eyes and whatever, and I'm still finding ways to look at pornography. So what would the Bible tell us to do? The Bible would say if your hand calls you to sin, do what? Cut it off. Cut it off. And so clearly we don't want to have people with uh, hands that are, are not there anymore, and so I would say get rid of the iPhone. Right? Your near occasion of sin 
is the iPhone. The iPhone is it's not that serious. It's not good or bad. Get a flip phone, right? But it's not good for you. And so I think in our life, for all of us, there are what we call I call near occasions of grace and near occasions of sin. Mm-hmm. And in the in the scriptures, uh, for for the men that, was, that were coming to visit Jesus in the cave, a star. That was that a star isn't good or bad in and of itself. It's just a star. It's neutral. But for them. It was a near occasion of grace because that thing drew them to Jesus. And mm-hmm. so there are certain things that are going to draw you and I to God into a deeper yeah. intimacy with God. And then there are certain things that might draw you closer to God. Like your iPhone might be a tool that God has used in your walk with him to become a saint. But it might be bad for me. And so that which is a near occasion of grace for one person might actually be a near occasion of sin for the next. So I would say the, the very first thing we need to do is examine our conscience, examine our day and discern what are my near occasions of grace? Mm-hmm. And whatever they are, I need to make sure I'm prioritizing on my calendar. And what are my near occasions of sin? Mm-hmm. And whatever they are, I need to bring to the light, to my confessor, to my spiritual director, to some trusted brothers and sisters in Christ, mm-hmm. so they can hold me accountable to avoiding that which, for me, has been drawing me further and further away from the the saint that mm-hmm. God desires for me to be. What about uh, uh, isolation? We mentioned this mm-hmm. earlier that one of the one of the sure ways to stay broken yeah. is to stay iso- uh, stay isolated or n- don't tell anybody. Yeah. Nobody knows, and you think, "Well, I'm just going to deal with this myself." There's no reason that anyone needs to know. I got my reputation <laughs> on the line. I got work and employment. My wife, my kids, whatever. Um, that's not a good recipe, is it? No. So I always propose that we. First and foremost, the way that we pray, so prayer is the foundation for everything that we're doing here, right? Right. Um, the way that we pray will affect the way that we live. And so if in my prayer I can be vulnerable with God, who is very vulnerable with me, if I can expose my heart before Jesus in a Eucharistic adoration or in my time of Lexio Divina with the Sacred Scriptures, if I can expose my heart before Jesus Christ, who is completely exposed on the cross from me, who is exposed in the Blessed Sacrament, we call it exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, right? Mm-hmm. If I can share my art with him, and a practical tool to do that is the ARRR method, acknowledge my thoughts, feelings, desires, relate them to God, spend time receiving from God, from the Word of God, and then respond to that. The way in which I pray would then affect the way in which I live my life. So if when I go to pray, all I do is say, gimme, 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 God, like treat God like a vending machine. I say, I want this, I want that. If I just say, thank you, God, for protecting my family. Thank you for loving my family. Thank you for loving me. If I just have that kind of prayer life, then I'm not going to have superficial relationships with people because my relationship with God is pretty superficial. Sure. But if I can go deep with God and be vulnerable with God, then um, what I can do is I can apply the way in which I pray to God to a certain group of people, first and foremost. And I can share my, I say this, we're called to share our chicken nuggets with everybody, mm-hmm. God included but we're only called to share a barbecue sauce with God and then with a few individuals, right? Sure. So I can learn with proper vulnerability that which I'm called to now share with someone else who can help me. Because no man, no woman, no person is an island. If we try to do it ourselves, we're going to fall hard. We're not going to be able to get out of it ourselves. We have to rely on other people. And so, um, but that can only take place in relationships with people if we first cultivated that in the context of prayer and been really vulnerable with our Savior. Right. What I want to ask you a difficult question, and it comes from the result of working with a lot of men and a lot of men's groups and men's conferences mm-hmm. and so forth. 
uh, there are times where a man, and this can be a woman too, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, but I have to speak as a man, where a man can say, well, I am being tempted by a certain sin, which I know is going to break me. And men know what these sins are. You know, they're on a business trip or whatever it is. Yeah. They're alone in a hotel room. And they're thinking about doing something. And they know, I know that it's not going to make me happy. I know that I'm going to be broken as a result of it. But they even go forward into, but I can go to confession tomorrow or yeah. or this Saturday and I can deal with this and get good with God once again what is it that we're not understanding about God when we take that that mental mm. posture dang that's a good question <laughs> I, I, I think what's really abusing our relationship with God Jeff I mean God wants us to be happy he wants us to be in a state of grace he wants us to abide in communion with him at all times and I think whenever we take that approach to God, we are looking forward to having communion with God once a week only. And that's on Sunday when we mm. receive communion. Yep. And so we make mass about ourselves. We make worship about me, right? I can go to confession on Saturday. Therefore, when I go on Sunday with my family, I can receive communion. Mass is, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound, I don't want to offend people, but mass isn't just about receiving Holy Communion, right? That's like lanyard, right? We don't actually have to receive communion when we go to mass, mm -hmm. except what, once a year? Um, mass is about worship of God. That's what it's really about. It's about the right. sacrifice. And so um, I think the the deeper issue, even with that, is is a pride right. of, of everything's about me. Mm -hmm. Even my relationship with God, it's all about me. And so I would I would focus more on uh, humility with a person who's in that kind of um, season of life sure, uh, so that we can fight that vice with that particular virtue and then therefore that mindset won't even be operative because that mindset flows from the vice um, and so we want to attack the vice with the virtue. We're talking with Father Josh Johnson. He's the author of a, a, a really great book that I want to I want to suggest to you and family members and if you know of anybody who's broken, hello it's everyone around you, uh, I want to I'm still broken. <laughs> I, I'm, I want to suggest this book. You can get it at ascensionpress.com. It is Broken and Blessed. When we come back, I want to talk about our attitude towards others who are broken and uh, you know what is our heart towards them because one of the things I'm seeing in the world today, and that is that people serve a God who's a one-chance God. They only give God one chance to turn their life around, and as a consequence, they only give other people one chance. You blow it, you're out of fellowship. You're not going to be a part of my life anymore and that is crushing to live in a family like that you're listening to the jeff caven show we'll be right back and if you're looking for a way to learn more about your catholic faith i invite you to check out the ascension presents youtube channel you're going to find tons of free videos featuring catholic presenters like matt frad leah darrow jackie bobby angel and emily wilson go to youtube.com slash ascension presents that's youtube.com slash ascension presents and if you like what you see please share and subscribe. I want to welcome you back. We're talking with Father Josh Johnson. I'm down in the South. My wife and I have uh, have come down here for several weeks to uh, to be a part of the Cajun, the raging Cajun country. And we're with Father Josh Johnson at Holy Rosary. And uh, we're on a three-day mission. You know, I haven't done a mission for a long time. This is fun. First night, I speak all over, but I haven't done three nights in a row. Oh, wow. You're special. Thanks. <laughs> Your people are actually You're special. special. Yeah. Um, it, so the first night, we're talking about the activated disciple. Then Which last, was absolutely amazing. 
what a what a great time with these people. Packed house. Last night we spoke about giving people a free cup of Keurig Ma. That is the good proclamation of the gospel. How do you witness to people? And tonight we're going to talk about suffering in the life of a disciple. How do we do with deal with the suffering in our life and the 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 difficulties? And it's amazing, Father, how many people are are hurting and are, they're broken not only themselves but things are happening in their life that are, are causing them to break. It's really yeah. it's really uh, incredible. You know, I want to talk a little bit about our attitude towards people who are busted, broken. Yeah. And um, I have noticed this uh, so often is that somebody's life is broken, scandal, uh, shame comes into their family, and people back away like a pariah, like like there's something wrong with you, and I'm not going to fellowship with you. I'm not going to be around you. And I'm wondering, you know, what if Jesus did that? I mean, what if the lady who was caught in adultery was brought to him, you know, in John chapter 8 and 9, and then Jesus said, well, you know, I too, I, I'm not going to have anything to do with this lady. You know, yeah. she should have known better, and my reputation is going to be ruined as a result of it. What is our attitude towards people who are broken? Jesus Christ in the Gospels is a divine person. So he knew everything. And, and, and that's what I love about the Gospels is they really teach us about Jesus, like who he is. Like I, I, I can say I, I not only know about him, but I know Jesus because I know him intimately from the scriptures. And in the word of God, he reveals a God who told the disciples, like, hey, Peter, guess what? You're going to deny me three times and all of you are going to abandon me. He straight up told them what was going to happen. He knew they were going to hurt him, and yet he still chose to dwell with them for three years right. and more after that, right? Right. Um, to, the, to this day, he knows every sin that we're ever going to commit before we've committed it, and he still chooses us and wants to be in relationship with us. And so if we're really going to be church, if we're really going to be disciples of Jesus and follow the master and imitate Christ, then that means that we are obligated to do the same to know someone's mess mm -hmm. and to still choose to dwell in communion with them because God does that with us. One, a prayer I learned a while back that I, I pray daily now is this, God, help me to see myself the way that you see me. So first I focus on that, God, how do you see me? Because I know how I see myself at times is it's not authentic. It's not, it's not how he really sees me. Right. And when I, I, I pay attention to God and how he sees me, I see a, a God who loves me and who delights in me and who, who's aware of all my stuff I've done in the past that he's forgiven through the sacrament of reconciliation. He's aware of my imperfections today. And he's also aware of what I'm going to do tomorrow that I don't want to do, but I'm probably going to do. And he's aware of it. And he still delights in me. I'm the father's beloved son. Then I pray, God, help me to see this other person who I'm really struggling with right now the way that you see them. Mm -hmm. And what I recognize is that same gaze of love that I receive in prayer, he has on that other person. Again, if I'm going to be a Christian, I have to imitate him. I must now love that person the same way that he loves me. Another scripture that I'm often drawn to, specifically with messy members of the body of Christ like myself, um, but for others as well, is St. Paul, who, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he said, I, I need you. He said, I can't say the hand, can't say to the foot, I don't need you. We all absolutely fundamentally need right. each other, yeah. all of us. And even if I don't like you, like the apostles didn't always get along. They didn't always like each other. They argued all the Jerome time. Jerome and Augustine. Right? <laughs> they, they, right? They wrote hate letters. It, it was like if we were in modern day, like Twitter, you know, right? But so they did not like each other, but they dwelled in communion with each other. And I found in my walk that some of the people who I dislike the most and don't get along with the most, 
and who've even like hurt me and I've hurt them because of mm -hmm. our sin, we work the best together. Oh, and I do and, appreciate and it. We, <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> you, Jeff, but we need each other. There was one time I needed a priest for confession years ago, and there was a priest in, in my diocese who I did not like. Man, I thought this guy was so sketchy. I thought mm -hmm. this guy, I thought his theology was whack. I thought his his political views were questionable. There's so much about him that I just could not, I could not stand. But one day I needed the sacrament of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And imagine if I would have said, you know what? I'm, I'm here on my deathbed <laughs> and he's the only one available. I'll pass. I don't, I can't dwell with him. Right. But, but he has a gift to offer me. He had a gift. And, and I'll be honest with you, uh, in my 31 years of life, I know I'm pretty old. <laughs> I know. I'm already waking up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, Jeff. I'm seeing the gray hair. I do have one right here. Right, so that's um, what I'm yeah. talking about. Oh, great. So one. Yeah, so I have one for sure. Uh, but uh, in my 31, long 31 years of life, the best confession I've ever, I've ever experienced was with this priest. Wow. Absolute best. Isn't that something? Who I can't, and I don't like the, really, we don't get along. I don't like this priest, but I need him. I yeah. absolutely need him, and God rocked my world in and through him. And so if we don't dwell with other members of the body of Christ, then the church will limp. Yeah. We, we will get into our little holy huddles and we're not going to experience the church running toward God for all eternity. We're going to limp. Yeah. But whenever we can abide in relationship with people who are different from us and who think different from us and who sin different from us, then what we can experience is a renewal in the world because the church will be on fire. Another One more, one more question. I know time's of the essence here. I got one more question for you, and that is that one of the hardest things I think about being the body of Christ and encountering brokenness in my family, my brothers and sisters, among the clergy today. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are are really upset about the scandal that they hear about in the news. They turn on Fox, CNN, MSNBC, and so forth, and they hear about it, and it wearies. It's weary, wearisome. Years ago, I used to work in a level one trauma unit. And I would have to sit there at the head of the table for head injuries, motorcycle accidents, shots of people being shot by pistols and rifles and stab wounds. And, you know, just I saw everything and I was only two feet from it looking and looking at what the doctors were doing. And I noticed that the doctors were, they were almost aggressive, going to the wound, treating the wound. They didn't stand back and go, ah, you know, they, they went after that wound. And that's a physical wound. And I think there's a certain kind of, uh, 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 you know, we're, 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 we don't want to touch the wound. We mm -hmm. don't want to touch the wound. And I think this is one of the great things about Mother Teresa. She touched the physical mm -hmm. wounds of yeah. people, but spiritually and emotional wounds that people are going through. A family that is struggling with adultery, they're struggling with alcoholism, they're struggling with bankruptcy or whatever it is. Everyone around them is like a little uncomfortable. Oh, what do I say to them? You know, there's this gaping wound of infidelity yeah. and they're broken. And everyone's like, oh, how you guys doing? You know, but they're standing around the emergency bed and they don't know what to do. And I, I try to encourage people. And I think that I think that this is the gospel is tend to the wound. Don't be afraid to touch the wound. What would you say to people who know of people around them right now that are terribly broken? And it is, as they say in Greek, icky. Yeah. So uh, as you were speaking, I was I was drawn to the image uh, that Jesus gave us in the gospel of the Good Samaritan, right, who went, who was, who was drawn to that person who was really messy, 
um, and and then who brought that person to the inn, which is to the church, mm-hmm. for the church to tend to that person who is broken and who is wounded. Um, so I would encourage members of the body of Christ who are aware of other people's wounds um, to simply ask them if they're invited to go there with them, right? Because the person who's wounded must first give the invitation, right? So when, when I always pray with that, 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 that particular passage, I'm always drawn to the, to the, to the person who is wounded. They allowed the good Samaritans to touch them as well, right? Yeah, there, yeah. there was a freedom of like, I will let you, it's going to be painful, but I'm letting you touch me as well. Right. And so we have to like reverence other people's freedom, but to, to at least dwell with them in relationship with them, invite them for coffee. I say the greatest evangelization, the greatest prayer, the greatest everything happens over coffee um, to just sit with the person and cultivate relationship with the person where the person's at. And then little by little um, ask the person if, if you can have the, the, their freedom to go places with them, to draw them to Jesus so that Jesus Christ himself can love them in the midst of their brokenness and their wounds. I think the goal for all of us is to orient our gaze to the face mm-hmm. of Jesus at all times. And that, that's, it sounds so simple. It really does. But it, 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 that's what it is. It's, it's to draw people to take their eyes off of their self and to focus on Jesus so that we can listen to Jesus tell us how he wants to address mm-hmm. the woundedness and the brokenness or, or how he wants us to sit back and let him. Real quick, I have to say this because I think a lot of times what we do is whenever we, um, I speak to ourselves because it's always other people, but it's also ourselves. We're all really, really wounded, every single one of us. Even the most holy nuns I know and priests I know um, and lay ministers I know are all very broken. Um, and so sometimes whenever we go into those places of prayer, those intimate seasons with Jesus, um, what, what I notice we do is we expose our, our stuff to him, but then we try to control where and how he's going to like heal us. And if I was sick... <laughs> I wouldn't go. I would tell my tell the doctor, "Hey, I have a tumor right here. It's clear. Um, now you do your thing." Like, I would entrust <laughs> the doctor to do what he needs to do. Right. And so I always invite people to, after we expose our stuff before the Lord Jesus Christ, to then take our eyes off our stuff and to focus on Him. And if and mm-hmm. if if we need help focusing on Him, then pray the Rosary out loud so we know what we're doing. Pray the Scriptures out loud. Sing praise and worship songs out loud, or whatever you have to do. But that way. We're, we're not navel-gazing, trying to like, because we get in the way. You know, oftentimes right. the best work God does is when we're sleeping. And so just to let God take it from that, that, there. That's why they put you to sleep for surgery. Yeah, so go you figure. Stop, stop talking. Right, like get, get out the way. And so, but, but to be a witness to other people. And Pope Paul VI says that people don't listen to teachers anymore. They listen to witnesses. And so if people can, can see us praying this way as well, then that might give them the, the comfort of, of saying, okay, well, I can do that too. Mm-hmm. I can I can do that with Jesus first, and then from there I can let you walk with me in places that I'm really really hurting right now. So the book is called Broken and Blessed, and who's it for? It's for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's for everyone who's broken and everyone who's blessed. Amen. That's good talking to you. And next time I come down to this uh, beautiful country of uh, andouille and uh, gumbo and etouffee. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you about your own uh, vocational journey. You know, you becoming a priest and uh, a good priest, a great priest. And and uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to do that A broken sometime. priest. A broken but blessed priest. Uh, nice, nice. <laughs> New book and of mine. Who's the activated disciple? <laughs> exactly. Where can people get the book? Ascensionpress.com. 
And you got a podcast yourself. Yes, Ask Father Josh through Ascension. What's the nature well. of that? Just people are writing you? You ask me any question you want based on morality, spirituality, apologetics, discipleship, relationship advice, anything you want, anything goes, and I pray with your questions and then hopefully respond in a way that is helpful for you to grow in holiness and your walk toward eternity. Fantastic. Well, my friend, I hope you have enjoyed meeting my friend, Father Josh Johnson, and get in touch with him. Where, If people want to get in touch with you, what, what, where would they go besides your rectory? Yeah, <laughs> please do not come to my rectory. So you can uh, definitely check me out on, on social media, on the Instagram, Father jo- at Father Josh Johnson, as well as Twitter. Okay. Um, but then you can get in touch with me on, just Google me and my parish will pop up. And if you wanted to schedule something, you just go to my secretary at Holy Rosary's office. And it's Holy Rosary in the big city of? Santa Maul. Santa Maul. Nice is a bad rouge. Very good. And by the way, if you want to get in touch with me, if you have questions, you have topics you want me to, to cover on the show, you can email me at thejeffcavenshow at ascensionpress.com. And you can uh, share your thoughts about this show and every other show on Instagram. I'm, a- I'm actually, I'm getting with it, Father. I'm starting to use Instagram. I got Twitter, Facebook, and all that. But suddenly I realized... Uh, Everyone's using Instagram. So I'm on I'm going to have to like you. I'm going to have to like you on Instagram. Yes. Once we become friends on Instagram, it's like official. It is. It is. It's a, it's a cyber high five. And it's Jeff Cavins. <laughs> That's simply my name on Instagram. Love to see you there. And uh, I look forward to uh, the next show already. Let me pray with you. Can I do that for a moment? I know that you're in the car probably. So uh, I want to pray with you. And I want to pray about that brokenness that you might be experiencing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I lift up my friend right now, uh, and I ask you, Lord, to to bless them. I ask you, Lord, to help them in the midst of their brokenness, to be honest with themselves, to gaze upon you, and to not gaze upon them their own problems and their, and their own ingenuity, but to take their eyes off of themselves and put them on you, the answer, the, uh, the, uh, the answer to our problem. For, Lord, you are... Uh, everything and within you is contained all wisdom and knowledge and so we look to you lord for the the blessing and the healing that we desperately need bless my friend oh lord in jesus name amen Amen. in the father and the son and the holy spirit look forward to seeing you next week god bless